Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 353 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. Here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really ask you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. We are in a new day when we talk about college sports, college football, and to explain what's going on with this Pac-12 thing, let me first explain how conferences make money. Conferences make money usually by two ways. They make money by athletics and by academics. Now, when we talk about some of the bigger schools and we talk about some of the bigger conferences, their money is predicated on their major sport. What do I mean by that? Let's let's look at the ACC. While, yes, the ACC has Clemson, the ACC makes most of their academic, I mean, no, uh, athletic money through basketball. North Carolina, Duke, uh, NC State, Clemson. They make most of their money through basketball. The same is completely opposite when we talk about the SEC. The SEC makes most of their money from football. Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, uh, Georgia. When we talk about this Pac-12 situation, we are seeing the end of the Pac-12. And the reason why, if you look at the Pac-12 currently, you have USC, Utah, Washington, Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA, Washington State, Arizona, California, Arizona State, Stanford, and Colorado. The news broke yesterday that the Pac-12 was unable to, I guess, get a deal done with Oregon and Washington State, and both teams are now going to be going to the Big Ten. This comes off the backs, I think, a day before that Arizona will be going to the Big Ten, which also comes off the hills probably a week or two ago when Colorado is going to the Big 12, I believe. And, of course, last year we, we learned that as USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten, I believe. Here's the thing, man. I talked about this when we heard about USC and UCLA. When your flagship schools or when your when your money making schools leave your conference, that pretty much starts the clock on your imminent end you see the pac-12 can survive or could have survived if a washington state you know with uc with ucla and usc leaving they could have survived with washington staying with oregon staying with colorado staying especially when you see colorado and and deon sanders and the resurgence of that school in arizona but now, bro, think about this. U.S. Now, I understand winning solves a lot of things as well. And recent history, I mean, a recent success could change this. And while, yes, I understand that maybe a couple of year, uh, a couple of years ago, the Washington was in the college football playoffs and Oregon ultimately made it to a national championship. I think the inaugural college football playoffs, Oregon met uh ohio state in the in the national championship however both teams 
Washington got destroyed. I believe it was by Alabama. They got destroyed, and Oregon ultimately lost. We talk about the history of the Pac-12, and we talk about the history of USC. USC used to be a powerhouse, of course. Yeah, I understand now you have Caleb Williams and everything, but before Caleb Williams, it it was uh, it was it was mighty bleak for USC. After, of course, yeah, you had Matt Liner and you had uh, Troy Palomalu, you had um, Reggie Bush. I understand those days, but those days are long gone. I understand Chip Kelly kind of rejuvenated uh, UCLA, but UCLA hasn't been good for a while either. I talked about this before, and I and and you're going to see super conference. We're pretty much seeing two super conferences at this point. Right now, you have the the pack, or you have the Big Ten. And you have SEC. Now, yes, you have the Big 12 and and you have the ACC. But you're pretty much going to see four major conferences now. I'm interested to see what happens to, like, the Sunbelt Conference or what happens to the MEAC Conference. I'm I'm, I'm interested because it's like the the Pac-12... While yes, it wasn't as successful as other conferences, it was a major... It is a major conference, but... I think we have seen the end of the Pac-12 very soon because there's no way that the like Utah and Oregon State and Washington State and Cal and Arizona, there's no way that those schools can maintain. And now I will say this. There are schools like Cincinnati. There's schools like maybe USF. There's other schools that could possibly try to join in or join the Pac-12, but None of those schools are or make the same amount of money or bring in the same amount of money or have the same gravitas, if if you will, as a USC, as an Oregon, as a UCLA. And at this point right now, because of Deion Sanders, as a Colorado. It. It's. We're seeing a change in college football, man. We're seeing a change in sports in general. I understand that. I understand that it is, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, a scary time. Because it's, it's like, do you really want... Parody is a thing, right? And parody is a thing that a lot of people claim that they won and claim that they like I don't know how much parity you're going to get outside of the you know the conferences or whatever I don't know how much parity you're going to get when most of the good teams are in two different conferences which is why I believe that we're going to get uh, super conferences I think ACC basketball makes too much money and makes 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 enough money that the ACC can survive, especially with Clemson. Now, Clemson leaves, that's a whole different conversation. Because another thing that we know is basketball programs and football programs are completely different. Yes, they can be in the same school, like, you know, North Carolina basketball and football are obviously the same school, but for for a perfect example, Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame in basketball is part of the ACC. Notre Dame in football is an independent. So, uh, 
we're, we're just we're this is a new day, man. This is this is a new day in college football. And I understand that the Pac-12 was tr- or the 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 president of the Pac-12 because every conference also has uh, its own president. The president of the Pac-12, I think that they were trying to roll out a subscription-based thing, but nobody is going to pay for a subscription to see Utah against Arizona State at 10.30 at night on the East Coast. Like, don't get me wrong. That's no offense to those schools, but you're already struggling. Even with the big schools, even with Oregon. I'm I'm an Oregon fan mainly because of the jerseys, but I'm an Oregon fan. You know how tough it is to to work a regular nine to five and you have to stay up till 1030 in the morning to watch. Oh, no, 1030 in, at night to, to start a college football game. Do you understand how long college football games are? The Pac-12 was already fighting or 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 battling against itself when we look at the teams and the the more popular their most popular teams and where they're located in the United States you're automatically going to have late games that's why a lot the the viewership for you know Oregon or USC while they're high for the Pac-12 they're not high for college football because you're losing a an entire coast because of how late these games are and now that they're leaving it's like what is the draw what is the what 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 would bring a school what would make a school want to leave their conference to go to the Pac-12 now that all of your money making schools because and that's another thing all the schools in the conference make money off each other so while yes Colorado was one in eight or one in eleven last year. They still make a lot of money because you had an eight and one school. Like you, you, the success of your conference also makes you money. That's not going to be the case anymore. When you're, I mean, <laughs> oof. Yeah, man. We have. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, but I all I know is that I believe when I listen to people talk. And when I I see, it feels like the writing's on the wall for the Pac-12. And it feels like the writing has been on the wall for the Pac-12 ever since we heard of USC and UCLA jumping ship to go to the Big Ten. Once that started, I, I believe that started the countdown. And I think the nail in the coffin happened yesterday with Oregon and Washington and Arizona all pretty much leaving the conference. It's a new day in college football and unfortunately it seen it feels like it is the end of the Pac-12. Cuz I don't see how that conference survives. Or let me say this. I can see the Pac-12 surviving. I can see the Pac-12 surviving and flourishing. But I don't see it as a major conference anymore. It's not there's no way that you can consider the Pac-12 a a power 5 conference. 
now yes i can see the pac-12 kind of moving and going to like the 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 miac or going or not going but operating as maybe like the sunbelt conference or maybe like i said the miac conference or maybe the the mount west conference but i think this is the last days of the pac-12 being considered a quote power five conference so let's move forward Hall football is back now. No, nobody really cares about the Hall of Fame game. The Hall of Fame game is is mainly for obviously the 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 new inductees or the soon to be inductees in the Hall of Fame and to showcase them. I mean, Demarcus Ware did the national anthem for some reason, but um, yeah, the Hall of Fame game signifies the start of football. Now, yes, you still have it's 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 pretty much the start of the preseason. But, you know, we have OTAs, we have training camps, we have media days. But the Hall of Fame game is the first time that two teams put on actual pads and play an actual game. I'm not going to call it a meaningful game, but play an actual game. So that means football is here and. It's a, it's 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 an interesting time for people, man. It's a it's a people love football. I I know we know this obviously being a sports fan, but football is people's lives. I mean, I know people personally that was that was sports betting because we as we know sports betting is a is kind of a still a new concept that that makes a lot of people money obviously. And I know people that were sports betting the Hall of Fame game which is essentially the first NFL preseason game of the season. So it's crazy. But this Hall of Fame game was different. I don't need to talk about the game. I don't need to talk about, you know, it was Cleveland Browns and the Jets. I don't need to talk about the outcome of the game. This this Hall of Fame game was different because of one person. And that one person was Aaron Rodgers. And, and and this is what I mean. Let me let me explain. Now, yes, no starters played outside of maybe a few, but Aaron Rodgers didn't play. I don't think any starters on the defense or the Jets played. Um, I know Deshaun Watson didn't play, and I don't think really any of the starters for the, the Browns played either. But this game was all about Aaron Rodgers, and it wasn't about Aaron, it wasn't maybe what you think. We know who Aaron Rodgers is. We know what he's accomplished in 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 Green Bay. We know that he is considered one of the most talented and arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. We also know that when somebody switches teams, when somebody moves from one location to another, you as a team, you as the organization that they're going to, want you want the, the the transition to be as seamless as possible, especially when we talk about a great as as historically great as Aaron Rodgers. 
So you want to make sure the running backs and, and, and that department is good. Well, you have Brees Hall and reports are saying that you can possibly get Delvin Cook. You want to make sure that the wide receiver core is good. I mean, the Jets have one of the best wide receiver cores when we talk about Garrett Wilson and, and the, the, the piece that they have. Alan Lazard, he came from Green Bay. You want to make sure the defense is right. You know, with Sauce Gardner, the, the, the Jets have one of the best, if not the best defense in football. You can kind of rival their defense right now with poss- at least on paper with possibly the the 49ers, but the Jets have an incredible defense. So it seems like you have everything that you want outside of the offensive line. And that is the biggest in my the biggest hindrance that the Jets had before this Aaron Rodgers move. And maybe even after this Aaron Rodgers move. You want to make sure that especially a quarterback that is in his 40s, especially a quarterback that is not the most mobile. And honestly, at his age, doesn't want to be the most mobile mobile and a quarterback that has been hit over a thousand times in his career. You don't want to go from a place you want to when you're when you're going to a new place, you want new things, you know, like I know a lot of people that move right when you move. Usually people buy new furniture because they want their new thing to be new. They want their new house, their new apartment, their new anything. They want that to be new. So they usually buy new furniture. They usually get a new bed. They want, they don't really want the remnants of the old place They in, in their new space. That's the same thing that you have for when we're talking about Aaron Rodgers you don't want to go to Green Bay or you want to go from Green Bay to the Jets and deal with the same problems that you had one of the biggest problems that the Green Bay Packers suffered with or suffered from was injuries as far as the offensive line Batiari was always hurt and that really put a hindrance I think on the season last year not just Batiari but the entire offensive line so why am I saying all this? When where where are you going, Jalen? I got you. I got you. I said this Hall of Fame game was different than others because this Hall of Fame game, I needed to see one person. I didn't care about Zach Wilson looking the same exact way he did last year. I didn't care about anybody on the on the on the Cleveland Browns that's only because a lot of these players the Hall of Fame game and the preseason in general is pretty much for players or like the first few preseason games is is for players that are on the fence that may not make the cut to see you know how you fare and and who's going to make the cut who's not so you're not really going to get a good brand of football nor are you really going to get you're going to get players playing hard, obviously, because they're playing for their football lives. But you're not going to get a sense of what your team is going to look like. So I don't really there's no point of talking about the Hall of Fame game outside of one player. I talked about everything with Aaron Rodgers and, and coming to a new situation and the offensive line. The player that I wanted to see. How they would fare is Makai Becton. Makai Becton is arguably the second most important player in the for the Jets. 
And yes, I understand who's on the Jets. I understand, you know, you have one of the best defenders or defensive players in, in the in the NFL in Sauce Gardner. I also understand, you know, some of the acquisitions that you got. But the second most important player for the Green Bay Packers is Makai Becton. And I think that should terrify. Uh, that's like Green Bay Packers. I meant New York Jets. I apologize. The second most important player for the New York Jets is Makai Becton. And that should terrify Jets fans. And that should terrify Jets fans because Makai Becton has struggled mightily with staying healthy. He has all the tools, right? He has all the tools when we talk about size, speed, strength. He has all the tools to be one of the best offensive linemen in football. And if he is right, if he is right, then and, and he can stay healthy, then he is one of the best offensive linemen in football. And the Green Bay Packers definitely have one of the best offensive linemen or offensive lines in football because you still have Dwayne Brown. However, asking or, or expecting Makai Becton to be healthy for an entire season is almost like expecting Kawhi Leonard to play all 82 games. Or expecting someone like Anthony Davis to not get injured. As unfortunate as that is, Anthony Davis does not have a uh, history of staying healthy. At least a recent history of staying healthy. Kawhi Leonard, since being hurt or since you know twisting his ankle for the Spurs, he has not had a history of playing an entire season. I wanted to see how Makai Becton was going to look. I know he lost weight, uh, and he he tried he got serious about his his fitness and got serious about about his eating and and kind of like Zion Williamson. I think that his lack of diet or his his lack of nutrition and lack and and poor diet had a direct impact on his health as far as injuries and everything. So I wanted to see. He did look really good. He looked slimmer. I think he's still over 300 pounds, but he's still slimmer, and he's offensive lineman, so, you know. But I wanted to see what he looked like against, or I wanted to see what it looked like in the Hall of Fame game. He should have dominated. You know, you're playing against players that more, nine times out of ten will not make an NFL roster. Or if they do make the NFL roster, they're not going to play major minutes. So, And you, who is Makai Becton, you are going to be very important for the uh, New York Jets. So I wanted to see how he looked. And he did not disappoint. He looked incredible. He dominated. And he he looked like the best player on on the field the entire night for both teams. And I think that that was... That's all I need. I know he played like 15, 16 snaps, so that's all I needed to see. I needed to see how he moved. I needed to see how he looked. I needed to see what he looked like with his new, you know, app, you know, with his new weight. I, I, I need to see what he looked like in pads. Now, again, I understand it's a Hall of Fame game. I understand that. Like I just said, it's it's very hard banking on a player to stay healthy when they have never or they haven't had a history of staying healthy. 
Okay, hell, we're gonna talk. Let me let me get to that. I'll get to that later. I was glad. I was I was pleasantly surprised what I saw from Makai Becton, and I and, and I expect Jets fans to be to be happy with what they said, what they saw as well. The question is, and the hope is that he can stay healthy for the entire season, which is a tall task, seeing as though he has not been able to do that. Because if he does. I, I am going down to saying that Makai Becton is the second most important player for the New York Jets. Because you don't you have a 40, 40 year old quarterback that's not the most mobile. You don't want him getting hit. And you need a good offensive line. And that was a, that was one of the biggest problems last year with the Jets. The offensive line was terrible. Why is that? Because Makai Becton was hurt. If he's there, you're good. If he's not I don't see the Jets as a realistic Super Bowl contender. That's how good he is. That's how good he can be. That's how important he is. When If he is healthy, the Jets are legit Super Bowl contenders. If he's not, even with Aaron Rodgers, even with all the pieces that they have, if Makai Becton is not healthy, I don't think the Jets have a shot of making the Super Bowl. Again, I understand it's the Hall of Fame game, but I just need to see one player, and he looked good. So we'll see. Let's move forward. And if, like I said, the, the, the Hall of Fame game pretty much means football is coming and football is here. You know, I understand that the regular season isn't here. I think the regular season starts September 10th, I believe, or 11th. But... I don't think it's September 11th. I think it's September 7th. Um, but with the Hall of, with that, that means that it's time for me to break down every every division, break down. Um, you know, we have what eight divisions in football, and I'm going to break every single one of them down, and I'm going to start from. To me, uh, I don't want to say the worst to best, but let's let me just. I'm going to start with the the NFC South. Now, the NFC South, to me, is the prime example of the 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 phrase. It's a quarterback driven league. Now, I know that I kind of scoffed at that, and I know that I kind of pushed back on that when we talked about Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. But what do I mean, or or what am I? How am I describing that when we talk about the NFC South? Now, the NFC South has four teams that, if you just look at the teams, are have solid pieces: Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Carolina Panthers. Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons and Saint, the New Orleans Saints. If you look at their rosters, every single except maybe no. If you look at all of their rosters, they have really good rosters. But there's a reason why this division is considered one of the worst divisions in football going into this year. Now things can change. Obviously, all this is predictions or whatever. But there's a reason why 
this division is considered one of, if not the worst division in football. It's because of the quarterback play. Let's start with the Green Bay. I mean, let's start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Trust me, this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team is not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that we saw just a couple years ago with. In fact, let me change that. This Tampa Bay Buccaneers team is the same Tampa Bay Buccaneers Buccaneers team that we saw just a couple years ago, except for one glaring difference. Tom Brady is not the quarterback. You still have Shaq Barrett. You still have Levante David. You still have Carlson, Carlton Davis. You still have J- Jamel Dean. You still have Chase Edmonds. You still have Mike Evans, who is consider who I think I did a uh, I did a um one of my most famous videos not or or popular let me say videos is when I was talking about who is currently in the Hall of Fame and damn near everyone first of all let me let me say I appreciate everyone that has commented on that reel or commented on the video that video is damn near at a thousand uh no 100k as far as views on YouTube not YouTube on um Instagram and I appreciate every single person <laughs> That's telling me how wrong I am <laughs> or people that I'm leaving out. I appreciate you guys. Um, but one one name that was definitely prevalent and one name that almost everyone has said is Mike Evans and how he's one of the most underrated players in football, seeing as though he's one of the most accomplished and successful players. It's just he doesn't get the recognition. So they still have uh, Mike Evans. They still have Chris Godwin. The difference is. Like I said, they don't have Tom Brady. They are in a uh, quarterback battle with Bake or between Baker Mayfield and um, uh, Kyle Trask. I think. Let me tell you something. And I've I've heard this uh, this uh, this take. People are saying that. If Baker Mayfield does not win the the starting quarterback position against Kyle Trask, that he should retire. Um, I'm never going to say that someone should retire. I'm never going to say that somebody should um, just end their career before they're ready to. I mean, obviously not my career. It's yours. So you do what you want. But what I will say is this. Baker Mayfield is a former number one overall pick. And he's been in the league. This will be, what, year six for him? I don't know. I understand the life expectancy of a football player. Or when we talk about life, I mean football life. Is very short. I think it's like two to two and a half years or something like that for a football player. That life expectancy does not is not indicative of a, a, a number one overall pick. I I do believe that when you look at that draft, when you look at um. 
the draft Baker Mayfield. I do believe that he was drastically over or picked too high. I don't think he he was ever a number one overall pick potential or number one overall pick talent. Never. Even he was a, he was one of the best Oklahoma uh, quarterbacks they've had. But I still, when we talk about the NFL and translating from the NFL, for instance, let me let me give you a great example. Tim Tebow is considered one of the greatest college football quarterbacks we've ever seen. What he did at Florida, I think he won two national championships. He is considered one of the greatest college football quarterbacks of all time. But there's a reason why when you look at his draft evaluation, now under, well, let me see. when you look at his draft evaluation, a lot of people did not have him succeeding in the NFL. Now, I understand that draft evaluations can drastically be wrong, i.e., I mean, we just there's a incredible documentary about Steph Curry and how his draft evaluation obviously was wrong when we talk about the final product. But Tim Tebow's draft evaluation pretty much did not have him succeeding in the league. And if it wasn't for a game against the Steelers, Tim Tebow really didn't do anything in the in the NFL. Baker Mayfield, in my opinion, was never a first uh, of number one overall pick talent. And while, yes, he had a good rookie year, I think that being a number one overall pick and the rookie year kind of skewed people's or kind of blinded people to the fact or to the to the to the true Baker Mayfield. The Baker Mayfield that is not a number one overall, or should not have been a number one overall pick. The Baker Mayfield that's not the most accurate quarterback. The Baker Mayfield that doesn't make the best decisions in the pocket or outside of the pocket. Baker Mayfield, who isn't really, even though he tries to be, he isn't really the most mobile quarterback. The Baker Mayfield that isn't the most mature person. At least that's what they're saying. I don't, I've never met the person, but that's what every single person or every single organization or every single scout has said. And now you sit here today and Baker Mayfield, who is a former number one overall pick, is in a quarter and six years in the league is in a quarterback battle. And if you read reports, he's losing this battle to Kyle Trask. There's a reason why a lot of people have. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers finishing near the bottom of the NFL, near the bottom of the league this year. It's not because of the yes, the the players are are, are older, but actually, let me rephrase that. I'm sorry. Baker Mayfield has been in the league. I said six, right? Baker Mayfield has been in the league. Give me a second. Baker Mayfield.
field. He's Caucasian, so he's not any of these African-American guys. Baker Mayfield has not been in the league that long, actually. And Kyle Trask has been in the league for three years. Bonafide backup. And Baker Mayfield, who is the number one overall pick, has been in the league for six years. That was right. Sorry. What I'm saying is this. The reason why Baker Mayfield continues to keep getting these ex- getting these uh, chances is because he was a former number one overall pick and he beat the Steelers in the playoffs. But what happened the game, the next game, when you played against? I mean, that Steelers team was good, but you still had a aging effect. I think that was the wasn't that the last game Big Ben played, or something like that. And then when you played a competent quarterback, a quarterback that wasn't on his last leg, and Patrick Mahomes, you got destroyed or you lost. And Patrick Mahomes got injured that game, and you lost to Chad Henney. I'm not going to say Baker Mayfield should retire. I will never call all or end somebody's career before they wanted to, right? But what I will say is this. If Baker Mayfield loses this battle to Kyle Trask, it's it's going to be very tough for him moving forward because... I don't you, – you went from a – you went from a number one overall pick to not even being able to beat out Kyle Trask in a span of six years. And excuse my language, that bullshit excuse that they give Cam Newton – is the same excuse that I'll give for Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield's brand is too big to be a backup quarterback. I don't think he views himself as a backup quarterback. And this is my thing. And I always, I know you you guys, some people hate it, but I always bring my examples back to basketball because that's how, that's what helps me understand it what I'm talking about a lot more. You can't say that you're the best player on the court if you continuously lose to somebody. You can't say, and we can even bring it back to football, you can't say that this is a rivalry if you continuously lose to a a, a player or to continuously lose to a team. You can't consider yourself a top-tier player. You can't consider yourself a a starting quarterback if you're not, if you can't even be out Kyle Trask. Now, don't get me wrong. Shouts out to Kyle Trask. I'm not trying to crap on his name. Uh, Kyle Trask is in the NFL. I'm obviously not. Uh, he's good enough to be in the NFL. But Kyle Trask, at least in the what two to three years he's been in the league, has been a bona fide backup. And you can't even... Went out when you're the only 
the only option that they really have outside of Kyle Trask. You can't even beat him out. And what it's looking like is you might become the starting quarterback because that's just a terrible look for a former number one overall pick. But if you do that and then you just look trash, your leash is so short because it's like, what's the point? This entire this entire division, the NFC South, like I said, has a, a, a plethora of teams, and they benefit from having one of the easiest schedules outside of the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers have to play Minnesota. They have to play the Eagles. They have to play the Lions that are incredibly better this year. They have to play the Buffalo Bills. They have to play the San Francisco 49ers. They have to play the 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 Jacksonville Jaguars, who should be better. And I failed to mention that they have to play at San Francisco. They have to play at Buffalo. They have to play the Eagles at home, but it's still the Eagles. And it looks like that's Monday night football. I think that this is, I talked about, there was an episode far way back where I talked about Kyrie Irving. And I talked about how fragile his career is right now if it doesn't work out next year for the the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, everything that I said about Kyrie and being fragile, I mean that times 10 when we talk about Baker Mayfield. If Baker Mayfield can't even beat out, and there, no one expects the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be successful this year because of their quarterback situation, who, by the way, let me not let me not fail to forget, or let me not fail to remind you that Baker Mayfield is, or at least was, projected to be their starting quarterback, and they're expected to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. But if you want to talk about fragile, if Baker Mayfield can't even beat out Kyle Trask, I don't know, I don't know a home for him. Because I don't know another team that will look at him as a starting uh, starting uh, quarterback. So, I guess we'll see. Speaking of starting quarterback, this is an interesting year, and we're going to move on, obviously. This is an interesting year for the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons, to me, Remind me of the Houston Rockets. Incredible talent all over the place. But outside of, of course, them getting Fred Van Vliet um, and, and Dylan Brooks, there's a lot of youth on the Atlanta Falcons. A lot of players, in fact, a lot of players that are under the age of 20... Damn, hold on. <laughs> There's a bunch of players that are under the age of 26. In fact, there is, let me see. 
there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six, thirty-seven, thirty-eight, thirty-nine, forty, forty-one, forty-two. Forty-two players under the age of twenty-six. Or under the age of twenty-seven. And a lot of those players are their most important players. We talk about Drake London. We talk about uh, Kyle Pitts. <laughs> talk about B. John Robinson. Lord, when we talk about their starting quarterback in Desmond Ritter. They have a young team. And it's not just them being A.J. Terrell. It's not just Jeff Okuda who... That's another thing, bro. It looked like Jeff Okuda got carted off, and it says it could be an ankle. I pray that it's nothing serious. I know he came off of a, uh, you know, ACL thing for the with the Lions, so I hope that it's not that serious. Um, I hope you know, but most of their players are there are young, very young, kind of like the um, <laughs> kind of like uh the Houston Rockets. I'm interested to see uh, we were able to get to see very very uh very quick glimpses of Desmond Ritter in the in the Netflix series uh quarterback because they followed um Marcus Mariota who is currently now the backup quarterback in Philly. But I'm interested to see, this is Desmond Ritter's first year as going into the season as a starting quarterback. I understand that Taylor Heineke, he is the backup quarterback for Atlanta. But, you know, De- this is Desmond Ritter's team. And I-, I am interested to see what this team looks like. I don't, I don't look, there's, in sports, right, when you look at every successful team, Every successful team. Age plays a part. And when you look, I mean, yeah, you have some some good players like Jono Smith, but he didn't even work in, in New England, and he's 27. Um, Trey Flowers is 28. Shouts out to Trey. Uh, their, their defense to me is going to be a lot better. Bud Dupree is 30. Uh, Grady Jarrett, he's, he's 30. So I think that they're going to be better in in on the defense side of the ball and in in some areas. Um, their oldest player is Cordell Patterson, and he's thirty two. I just I just don't know I, I don't know. You're expecting a lot from a young player, and and the thing that we know about young players in the NBA and in in NFL is they're not used to winning. They don't know how to win on a on a on a bigger level we're going to talk about that a lot more when we talk about uh we talk about the carolina panthers but i'm i'm interested to see what does i don't expect much success from the atlanta falcons but i do expect them to be a lot better than they've been because you have desmond ritter who you know this isn't his first year and you have Bijan john robinson who is one of the highest 
I think one of the highest paid running backs already, and he hasn't ran a down in the league. Again, this team is interesting, man. This team has it. I don't. I don't see. Uh, how do I? I don't know how much success they're gonna have. Even though you do have Arthur Smith, who, you know, the jury is still out if he's a good coach or not. But we think they're a lot better than their record. It's just the you're working with the the players that you had. And honestly, last year you didn't have that bad of record. You had a chance. There was a good part of the season, or there was a portion of the season where the Falcons were the number one team in the A or NFC South. So, and like I said about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the NFC South doesn't have that tough of a schedule. I mean, the toughest teams that the Falcons play is Green Bay, but we don't know how they look with Jordan Love. I think the the Lions are going to be drastically better this year. So they play at the Lions. They play at Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence. They play the Washington Commanders, but you really don't know what they're going to be with Sam Howell. Um, outside of that, you have Tennessee, you have Minnesota, but we don't know what Minnesota is going to look like. Uh, you, you have the Jets. That's probably going to be a loss. Um, and the Bears, but we don't know what the Bears are going to look like. There's a lot of high hopes for Justin Fields, but we don't know. So I think that having a, a weaker schedule definitely helps uh, – the Falcons, but I don't expect much success from them. I do expect Desmond Ritter. We're going to see. We're going to know everything you need to know from Desmond Ritter this year if he's able to stay healthy, which, of course, I, I don't wish injury upon injury anybody. If Desmond Ritter can stay healthy for the entire season, we are going to see just how is he a is he a is he a six like a, a a quarterback a starting quarterback that you can win with or is he just a good a good a a, a good serviceable backup now again you're gonna you when you when you have a younger squad it's definitely beneficial to have a a schedule this week um i mean and you got to play the colts the colts defense is good but is anthony richardson going to be playing um i don't know you got again you don't know what's going to go in minnesota even though i do think that Kirk cousins is underrated even though i don't think Kirk cousins is a quarterback that's really going to win you a super bowl um but outside of that man i i just I'm interested the 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 Falcons have a lot of young question marks if that makes sense. It probably doesn't. So let me explain. There is a lot of youth on the Falcons and I don't expect them to be I don't expect them to reach their full potential this year. I expect them to be better than last year. I don't expect them to reach their full potential obviously because of their youth, but if this team is able, I kind of can see this team have a rise like the like the uh, Miami Dolphins because Miami Dolphins were young for a while too and then they got you know Tyreek Hill but they still have Jalen Waddle you still have uh the <laughs> Tua Tagovailoa so I think that this, I don't I don't know if you know how, maybe Drake London can 
become a top tier receiver. I don't know, but I just I need to see. I, I don't expect much from the Atlanta Falcons this year. I expect Arthur Smith. I think Arthur Smith is a good coach. I just I just need to see more. Um, and I just don't think this year is going to be the year because of. I mean, again, they have over forty players that's under the age of twenty-seven. So, and speaking of youth, the same can kind of be said for the Carolina Panthers. However, that is that is only be really because of their their let's say uh, their starting quarterback. So they had what the number one they they drafted. Bryce Young, Bryce Young at Alabama. They this I will say this the for for a while now, man. This Carolina Panthers team has been good as far as the team. Now it hasn't seen much success because of the quarterback play. I mean, you had Sam Darnold as your quarterback, and he got hurt, and and you had PJ was it PJ Washington as or P.J. Walker, I'm sorry, as your quarterback, and he came from the XFL. No offense to him, but come on, bro. Um, This team, kind of like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this team is good enough to make a lot of noise. I mean, you have Brian Burns. You have D.J. Chalk. You have Jeremy Chin. You you have really, really good people or pieces. Um, this, this, this team, the only problem with this team, I'm not going to say problem. The only question mark that you have JC Horn, who's one of the best cornerbacks in football. You, the only thing I need to see about this team is how does Bryce Young or Bryce Young look? I don't expect Bryce Young to come in and, 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 and be a world beater from, from day one. I don't expect that at all. I don't expect Bryce Young because, again, you can be great in, in college, and we've seen that multiple times. I mean, we just talked about Tim Tebow. You can be great in college, but there's, a, there's just a different love. College and, and, and professionals are completely different. And that's not just – yo, if we talk – okay, I'm going to go back to basketball. But overseas, there are teams that are overseas that are way better than college football or college basketball teams because those are professionals. So the NBA is drastically better than college basketball. The NFL is drastic. There's a reason why you have to stay in the in college football for I think what three years before you even go to the league because of how physical and how and how different and how much talents in college football or in the NFL. So I don't expect Bryce Young to you know be that dude from day one. I don't expect that. They and I don't think that the the Carolina Panthers should expect that either. I do think they have. I mean, Terrence Marshall's good. I, I I expect them to be good. I just don't expect them to be great. I think that this team has a good shot of winning the division. That's how good this team is. It really is only predicated on Bryce Young. I know that the conversation, at least in the draft, was who was better between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I think that if we talk about ceilings-wise and, and pure talent, I probably would go with C.J. Stroud. But if you're talking about most NFL-ready, I would go with Bryce Young. And that's what the the 
Carolina Panthers did. Again, a soft schedule is very hard to say. It's very hard to tell how good a team is when when you look at their schedule and they have a soft schedule. But a soft schedule does help younger players and especially younger quarterbacks that have to play, you know, that that are starting off. So you have to play at the Giants and they do have a good defense. But, you know, it's the Giants Um, and that's in the preseason. So I think that'll help as well. But in the regular season, your toughest games is Seattle, Minnesota, Detroit, uh, Miami, Dallas, and that's about it. In Jacksonville in week 17. That's pretty much it. And honestly, your hardest games are pretty much before the bye week. Yeah, you have from week three to week six, you play Seattle, Vikings, Lions, Dolphins, all those, and you play at Dolphins, at Detroit, and at Seattle. That's all tough. After that, you know, then week seven is the bye week. Week eight, you play the Texans, Colts, Bears. Again, Dallas is probably going to be a hard one. You don't know what's going to go with the Tennessee Titans, and that's about it outside of your divisional games. So kind of like the Atlanta Falcons, I don't expect much success from the Carolina Panthers, what I will say is I do see this team, to me, at least for the team aspect, is good enough to win the division. It's just I need to see how good Bryce Young is going to be towards the end of the season. And it, it to me, is really on his shoulders. And I'm not saying that to say, like, he has to carry the team, but this team is good. This team is a playoff team. It's just – how good, you know, it's that's only predicated on the quarterback. So we'll have to see. Stop me if you heard this before. Uh, the New Orleans Saints is a sleeper team. Stop me if you heard this before. Uh, the New Orleans Saints are going to make some noise. Are they going to be better than people think? Stop me if you heard this before. The New Orleans Saints possibly can make the NFC championship. The same rhetoric and the same predictions, the same uh, talk is around the New Orleans Saints year after year after year. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not one to shy away from that talk. I am probably one of the people that have uh, fueled that talk. You know, I thought Jameis Winston was going to be a lot better for the Saints than he was. I, you know, we, nobody really knows if and when we're going to get a consistently healthy Michael Thomas again. Uh, I know that Alvin Kamara, I think he's going to be suspended three games, but like I said, it's the Saints don't have that tough of a schedule outside of the preseason, don't have that tough of a schedule. Um, There's always been buzz around the New Orleans Saints. And every single year, the New Orleans Saints is supposed to be that team that can make some noise. Now, don't get me wrong. The New Orleans Saints has a good roster. You have Jonathan Abrams, who they I think they got from a they got from the Raiders. You 
you have uh, Derek Carr now, who we'll talk about in a second. You still have Demario Davis. I know that um, Cam. You have you signed J- Jimmy Graham again. I know Cam Jordan just signed an extension, so shouts out to him. Um, and he's one of the best defensive players in the league. Uh, like I said, he is suspended for three games, but you have Alvin Kamara. You have Lonnie Johnson. This team is going to be a very good. You still have Marshawn Lattimore. This team is going to be a very good. Tyron Lou or Tyron Matthew, I'm sorry. It's going to be a good team. This is a good team. This is a very good team. Um, And I'm not one to believe in, a, you know, I'm not one to believe in curses or voodoo or anything like that. But there has to be said there, you know, the, the Saints have had some historically epic ways that their seasons has in, have ended. The last few years, I mean, you remember the the pass interference that wasn't called against the Rams, um, the back and forth game between Drew Brees and and Tom Brady, uh, James Winston getting hurt, pretty much their entire team getting hurt last year, towards the end of the year, it, Michael Thomas again getting hurt, again, um. Have Jamal Williams, she's really good. I'll say this, man. <laughs> and I'll say I'll be the guy again. This Saints team to me. There there is no in between with this Saints team. And and what do I mean by that? To me, this team is going to be very good or they're going to be not good at all. I think that we've said from time to time. Derek Carr, all Derek Carr needs is a is a competent wide receiver core and a really good offensive line. He never really had that at all in in uh with the Raiders. Well, you have one of the best offensive lines in football in New Orleans, and you have let's hope that, of course, um Michael Thomas can stay healthy, but you have one of the best wide receiver cores in football with the Saints. I mean, let me see. You have, uh, why am I forgetting? Why am I blanking on his name? Um, Chris Olave, like you, you have uh, Traquan Smith. You have pieces, man. To me, the excuses that we have given. Uh, Derek Carr is is out the window now. You're in a new situation. You're in a better situation. A lot of people think, and you have a better defense. You, this team, I'm not going to say Super Bowl, but when we look at how weak the NFC is, this team should definitely be able to make some noise and should make some. I mean. When you look at the, when you put the teams up next to each other, I this team can rival uh maybe a Dallas Cowboys. I don't think that this team is good enough at all to to rival a Philly or rival a 49ers team, but I don't think that this team is that far removed from being that good. And I think that all the all the excuses that we've given Derek Carr have will go out the window. So if you're successful, maybe it was the organization around him and the lack of 
competency and the lack of protection around Derek Carr when he was in uh, Las Vegas or, or Oakland. But if he's not good and he's the same Derek Carr that throws head-scratching interceptions, it's like, all right, maybe it wasn't the organization. I'll say this. I If I'm going to rank this division, right, as far as who is going to be the best and the worst, I have because of the entire team and because I don't think I still think Derek Carr is really good. Um, I just uh, again, he, he's going to have to prove a lot to me, but I do think that he's good. And I think that he's I mean, there's a reason why he's one of the best quarterbacks in crunch time. Um, I have the Saints number one. Uh, I have probably the Panthers number two because of their entire team. I do need to see a lot from Bryce Young, but I have the Panthers number two Falcons number three. They're just a really, really young team and the green or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are number four because of their quarterback position. So that is the NFC South. Let me know what you, who do you think is going to win the NFC South? Who do you think is going to be the best team, worst team? Who's going to be a sleeper out of this team? Or out of this division as far as players. Let me know. Leave it in the comments. We'll talk about it. Let's move forward. Okay. I'm going to talk about them for a little bit. <laughs> Team USA and FIBA. Uh, for people that are confused, let me let me clarify some things. FIBA. Team USA, you know, when we talk about the World Cup and FIBA, is not the Olympics Team USA. When I when we talk about this, that there is two drastically different things. Team USA, when we talk about the Olympics, that's when you get the big boys come out. That's when we have the redeem team. That's when we have, you know, uh, the, the 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 guys come come out for the Olympics. A lot of people, KDs and 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 uh, LeBrons, they come out for Team USA that as far as the Olympics. When we talk about FIBA, while yes, it is important and it is you're going against the nation's other teams, team the United States don't take that doesn't really take that as seriously as it does the Olympics. And you can tell by the people that they have. Let me just let me just um let me just name rattle off this team, uh the team that we have, the roster. And don't get me wrong, I'm not here crapping on this roster. But the roster that Team USA for the for the for the FIBA World Cup, we have Paolo Bancaro, Mikael Bridges, Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson Jr., Cam Johnson, Walker Kessler, Bobby Portis, and Austin Reeves. Or yeah, Austin Reeves. Now, Team USA doesn't take. Let's say, let me say some some of the teams, some of the players, let me say some of the players in the NBA don't really most of the players don't really take FIBA that seriously as much as they do the Olympics. Because, I mean, when you talk about the Olympics, that's when you'll get the Damian Lillard's, the Steph Curry's, even though Steph Curry hasn't really played in the Olympics because he was hurt and because he was winning championships, Um, you know. LeBron, Anthony Davis, KD, the, you know, those type of players, they'll play in they'll play in the Olympics. You can tell cuz I mean, the best player on this team 
is either Anthony Edwards, Brandon Ingram. Anthony Edwards or Brandon Ingram. I know Jaron Jackson Jr. is definitely important as far as defense, but this team is going to go as far as, as Anthony Edwards and Brandon Ingram take them. Yes, Jalen Brown is really good. Yes, Mikel. This team is good. This team is, uh, is, is of good players, but you're still going to get let me see let me let me name let me just read off team canada for you guys because team canada ain't playing team canada's roster uh what the world all right so team canada has some 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 Mm. All right, Team Canada's roster is Kyle Alexander, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I'll just name the NBA players. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, R.J. Barrett, um, O'Shea Bristett, Dylan Brooks, uh, Lou Dort, um, Shea Gilders-Alexander, Corey Joseph, Jamal Murray, Kelly Olynyk, Dwight Powell. Um, they got some. They got some people. Namely, mostly, uh, or the names that stick out to me is Shake Gilders Alexander and Jamal Murray. Look, I'm not saying uh, and, and Zach Eady. I apologize. He he could have went number one or in the top five this year in the draft, but he's he stayed at Purdue. Team USA has not won the FIBA World Cup since 2014. They came in seventh place in 2019. That was the team that had Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum and, and you know, that team. While Team USA in in United States, I don't think take FIBA as seriously as other countries. It shows. Um, France, I think France beat France and Serbia beat them in 2019. Like they're not playing no games. And France, I mean, France has a good. You have Rudy Gobert, who, I mean. <laughs> And don't get me wrong, man. Like, I don't know if Giannis is playing, but I know Giannis is playing. I know Luka Doncic is going to play. I don't think that Nicole Jokic is playing. But Luka is playing. What I'm saying is I don't have much. I don't have high expectations for Team USA. Don't get me wrong. The These are really good names, really good young names. Again, Paolo. Um Anthony Edwards, who's 21. Tyrese Halliburton, who just got a five-year or uh, his extension. Josh Hart. Jaron Jackson Jr., who just won Defensive Player of the Year. Cam Johnson, who is a sniper. Austin Reeves, who is like a a sensation for for the Lakers. It's it's they have good they have good players. I just don't know how successful they're going to be when you go up against because because basketball, especially when we talk about FIBA, you're playing against teams that have played with each other for years. And while the Olympics, it doesn't matter as much because we're bringing our top talent 
and no offense to you know Team USA, this team, but this is not our top talent. Steph Curry's not playing. Le- LeBron's not playing. KD is not playing. Kawhi Leonard's not playing. Paul George isn't playing. Uh, uh, Damian Lillard's not playing. Like our our top Anthony, our top talent is not playing. James Harden's not playing. Kyrie Irving's not playing. So while some of the top talent, I know I don't think uh, Joel Embiid is playing, but team, France is a tough team. Canada is a tough team. Canada's best player is playing. Shea Gildress, Luka Doncic is playing. So. It's going to be interesting, man, but we will see. We will see. I I wish nothing but the best for Team USA and FIBA, and hopefully I'm wrong, and they bring home gold. So, And lastly, before we go, I want to send my congratulations, and I want to send my shout-out to Diana Taurasi for being, one of, or being the first WNBA player to reach 10,000 points. You have to understand – the WNBA has 12 teams. The WNBA has not been there for that long. And Diana Taurasi is 41. And the fact of when we talk about goats and we talk about, you know, the greatest basketball, fem, women basketball player of all time, you you hear Sue Bird, you hear Maya Moore, you hear uh, Lisa Leslie. There's a reason why you also hear Diana Taurasi. She has been one of the most consistent players and she has been one of the best players in WNBA history. When when we talk, I always say this, when you when we talk about Hall of Fame, can you talk about a league? Can you talk about a sport without naming that person? And you have the full story. For instance, you can't talk about the NFL without naming Tom Brady. Because if you don't, you're leaving out arguably the greatest player of all time. You can't talk about basketball, talk about the NBA, and leave out LeBron James or leave out Steph Curry or leave out Michael Jordan because you're leaving out an important part. When we talk about the WNBA, there's no way that you can explain the history of WNBA and leave out Diana Taurasi. She is one of the greatest players of all time. She was successful in UConn. She's been and she's she's been successful in the WNBA. And the WNBA will not be would not be as popular and would not continue to grow in popularity if it wasn't for the greatness of Diana Taurasi. I understand that there are you know uh, Candace Parker's up there as well, uh, and, and the the young the ladies that I named, but. This moment is for Diana Taurasi. I want to say shouts out to Diana Taurasi for being the first woman in WNBA history. I also want to say, do you realize the WNBA does not play as many games as the NBA? For, so there, there was a thing going around on social media. There's somebody at ESPN that made a stat that uh, Alisa Thomas, she, I think, has she became the first player in WNBA history to have uh, 2015 and 10 game. And I think like a hundred NBA players have done that, but I think what they were, I understand what they were trying to do, but it just landed wrong. They were trying to show that while yes, it's common in the NBA, Alyssa Thomas is doing something that, or did something that nobody has ever done in, in her sport. And that's what they were trying to highlight, even though it came off very poor. The WNBA plays a lot less games in the NBA. I think they play like 30. 
or 35 or something like that. The NBA plays 82. And on top of the the NBA doesn't have to fight for nearly as much as the WNBA has to fight for. The WNBA has to fight for TV rights. They have to fight for they have to fight for their play. I mean, we uh, do I want to go in this? Do I want to go in the soapbox? Jalen, do I want to? I'll do it. The WNBA players have to fight. There's a reason why a lot of players have to go have to go overseas to play basketball when the season's over. A lot of WNBA players do not get off seasons because they can't afford to have an off season with the type of money and the type of salaries that they get from the WNBA. We still do not. They still do not have chartered flights for the entire season. There's still a chance if you leave right now and go to a flight that you'll see a WNBA team. That is crazy to me. The WNBA does not have to fight for nearly the same rights, nearly the same respect as the NBA has to fight for, which I understand when we talk about revenue and we talk about popularity and bringing things in. But this is still a sport. This is a sport that people are funding. So. For the people that like to shit on the WNBA and like to like to throw dirt on it and say that these people are trash, these are the same people that do not have 10,000 points anywhere. So I say all that to say, when you want to look, because I did this too. I, 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 was, I, I, I did this as well. I was like, damn. 10,000 points ain't that much, especially when we look. But I'm, I'm comparing it to a league. I'm comparing that to the NBA who plays 82 games a year or 82 games a season. So this is Diana Taurasi's moment. Shouts out to Diana Taurasi for becoming the first WNBA player to reach 10,000 points. Well-deserved. You are considered and you probably are the greatest WNBA player of all time, possibly. But you have the resume to that that is <laughs> that is is second to none. So shouts out to Diana Taurasi. This is her moment. Congrats to you. And that has been the that has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I was gonna talk about Lionel Messi, but we'll save that for a different episode. Um I appreciate you guys. Uh if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, I have the link in the description below at multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Uh, get your unpopular podcast merch today. It definitely, definitely means a lot to me. Uh, please subscribe to YouTube. Please subscribe to wherever you're listening. I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers and I pretty much post content every day on the YouTube, whether that's clips, whether that's episodes, whether that's reels um, or shorts. I I do that and I'm just I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers. I'm so close. I am almost a hundred away. I think I'm about a hundred and twenty away. Anything will help. I definitely appreciate it. Please subscribe to the socials, subscribe to Instagram, subscribe to Twitter, uh not Twitter, TikTok. I, I post the shorts and I post things daily or pretty much daily is there as well. It definitely, definitely mean a lot to me. I'm trying to grow those as well. If you get a comment, the comment is from me. Uh, I now just keep, I'll ask that you keep it respectful. I understand if we don't, if you don't agree with my opinion, understand uh, you want to voice your opinion, please do so. I'm, I'm, I'm 
you're welcome to do so. Just please keep it respectful. Uh, yeah, man. And until next time, much love.